so many times I've wanted to do something mm-hmm. and we've gone to sign up for it and they've said, no, you're too young. Uh, you're too young. You can't. Right. Well, no, I can. I want to. I'm Wendy Hartsock, science and peptide enthusiast. In this episode of Exploration Science, I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Daniel Fried and some of his remarkable biochemistry students. You may notice they are not the typical college crowd. Dan and these students are blazing the way to break age barriers in STEM education. I'm Katie, and I'm 10 years old. All right. And where are you um, located, Katie? Um, I live in Ohio. Ohio. Okay, excellent. I met some of your colleagues this morning in North Carolina and before that in Australia. So that was pretty fun. Um, What grade are you in? Um, I'm homeschooled, but Mm -hmm. if I did go to school, I'd be in fifth grade. But as you see, I don't just do fifth grade work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tell me, how long have you been taking Dr. Freed's class? Um, I think I started in the biochemistry beta class in like March of last year. Mm-hmm. And then I switched to the alpha class because um, I had a schedule conflict, but I really like the alpha class because um, I don't know. I just do. <laughs> What's the difference between the beta and the alpha class? Uh, beta was the second group that he ever taught and alpha is the first group so okay so they were just a little further along in the curriculum like one semester ahead or something okay okay great so what um what so far has been your favorite lesson oh that's really hard to decide um i liked the electrophilic aromatic substitution reactions but I also really liked um, the serine protease because that was the first mechanism I learned. But I also really liked the star chemistry because I'm into astronomy and that's how the other stuff I like to learn. I know in that star chemistry, um, uh, I guess, lesson, you guys were talking about the formation of molecules and how molecules came to be about. Uh, Can you tell me about some of those molecules that you learned about? Yeah, so the first thing we learned about was, I think, how helium was created through fusion of hydrogen, which was the easiest part. And then we learned about um, the triple alpha cycle, which is done in high energy stars and basically fuses three heliums together to make a carbon. But the stars to be really high energy because of the three body issue. You can't, it's really difficult to have three molecules colliding into each other at the same time. So really the only way that could happen is if you had like a high energy star. And so that was really interesting to learn the different energy levels and how that correlates to the different reactions. Yeah, absolutely. Something else that you mentioned, you said you really liked the uh, electrophilic aromatic substitution reactions. Is that um, some, can you tell me kind of what, what does draw you to that? Are you, do you have like an art background? Do you like drawing? Like, do you like the arrow pushing? Like, what is it about Um, that? I think aromaticity really draws me because I also like, I have many interests, (laughs) but I really like particle physics. And so um, resonance was really interesting to me because um, it kind of reminds me of like, of how um, just, it's just the oddness of the quantum world. And so resonance kind of reminded me of that because like, how can the electron be here and here it's never in one place at the same time so I like that so tell me about some of the other activities that you're involved in um I mean I do a lot of things mm-hmm. one of my favorite things of course is taking Dr. Fleet's class but um I take a lot of other online classes too I take math class an art class a I can't even remember, a biology class, a French class, a Korean class. So I basically just take yeah. everything. <laughs> That's amazing. What, um, what are you learning about in biology right now? Um, right now, I think we're on the genetics chapter and uh, dominant and recessive traits. And I like that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Have you found that taking Dr. Freed's class has sort of helped in some of the other areas as far as making connections Um, between different concepts? Yeah, definitely. Because um, when I was little, I really liked like biology. And so 
uh, I realized that you need chemistry to learn biology. So that's why I like Dr. Fruit's class a lot too, because it just, chemistry is like a central science. You know, it's everything is based on that or leads to that. It's like all roads go to chemistry. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to learn from Dr. Freed. What are some of the things that you like about his class? I really like that he's not like other teachers I've had in the past that think kids just need to be instructed and they can't really have critical thinking skills. He lets us think for ourselves and use what we know to figure out other things. Um, and he thinks that we can handle difficult concepts. Uh, and he lets us ask lots, lots and lots of questions instead of just like saying, you're digressing, we need to get back to the lesson. <laughs> nice. So he lets you explore other topics as you're learning. And I've seen that um, in, you know, I've uh, jumped in on a class and watched as he was teaching one concept and questions kind of led through. And I think that was actually a class where he taught aromaticity just on the fly. Like it wasn't even planned to, to do it then. Um, so yeah, that was really exciting to see. Um, what are some other areas that you're interested in learning about? You know, I know that like Dr. Freed really encourages guest speakers, you know, to have other scientists come in. What other areas are you interested in learning about? Yeah, I think it would be really fun if he could um, have someone talk about molecular orbital theory because mm -hmm. a lot of times someone will ask a question and he says that's molecular orbital theory. Uh, I would really like to learn more about that. I feel like that would answer a lot of the questions that I have. Let me just start by thanking you for joining me on the Exploration Science Podcast and taking the time to not only speak with me, but to uh, connect me with some of your students. Yeah, and thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're working with the students too. I think it's going to be so fun for your listeners to hear from them. Yeah, oh, yeah very exciting stuff. So tell me, um, how did you get to where you are now? What was the, the process? Okay, so um, right now I'm here to talk about Biochemistry Literacy for Kids, which is a um, program that I developed, uh, a, a kind of a large course that adapts college-level science, uh, particularly uh, biochemistry and organic chemistry, it adapts it for a much younger audience. Um, we have kids in the program from seven, eight, nine years old um, that are working on these topics that are really seen as elite subjects that, you know, you have to really be a 25-year-old graduate student to, to be, you know, working on. We have kids working on them as starting from eight years old, seven years old, and this is normal for them. This is like what school is for them. This is what their homeschool experience is. For the kids that are doing this in public schools, this is what their science class is. So it's like a paradigm shift. And, and that's the whole point of this program. When I started it at Yale, I wanted to really like radically challenge what people thought was possible um, from young kids. Like as a kid, I always felt that that more was possible. Um, but sometimes when I would talk to people, they like kind of wouldn't believe me or they'd say, oh, you're just a very fast learner, which I know I'm not actually there was something special about me. I really didn't think so. I thought that the way I was and the things that I wanted to learn about, I always knew that any, everyone wants to do that at that age, at least. I never kind of outgrew that. I kind of like stayed a kid in that I always had this curiosity about the world. And I knew that I could reach kids this way because I knew that they thought the same way as me. So that's what the program, uh, that's where it came from, trying to bridge that gap between um, you know, what science is doing right now, um, things I learned in grad school, and the, um, you know, what's, what's possible from young kids because their minds are so open. Why not close that gap and uh, allow kids to learn what they really want to learn? Yeah. When you were a kid, what were some of the subjects that you were most interested in? I always liked science. Um, I loved science. I was an entomologist. Oh, ent okay. Yeah, I was an entomologist. Okay. Um, I had, I still have the insect collections. Um, they're still in pretty good shape. Um, that's what got me into science, like just going outside and like just, just absorbing nature. And um, that was a time when there was no internet, obviously. So I had a couple field guides and that was my world, like trying to understand what was going on in ecology and, uh, you know, learning all these different, um, you know, animals and plants and things. Um, I was also a music kid. I was also an art kid. So this program brings together a lot of different things. Uh, actually, I started, I wasn't always a, even a science major. I was a music major and uh, as a freshman. So one of the unique things about um, biochemistry literacy is that I integrate different kind of pedagogies from my background into a science curriculum. So the, the thing is, I don't know if there's that many 
people doing science curriculum development that have a very strong art and um, music background. So some of those ways of learning actually are part of this, which is, I think, what resonates with kids uh, also. It's a, it's a very fresh take on science learning in a way. Absolutely. Now, I think, so first off, I have had a brief stint as an entomologist myself. I was um, actually working in a phycology lab and oh, I was wow. cataloging insects and also um, plankton from the Colorado oh, wow. River. Fest. I love plankton. Uh, plankton are great. I mean, talk about like copepods, Daphnia, they're all awesome, right? I think we have a microscope sitting on the floor, and every time we go outside, I take a little sample, and we, my four-year-old and I, look at it, and that's what we do. Oh, it's so much fun! Yeah, I, I, yeah, entomology, and then also, yeah, the the whole river systems and, and plankton. It's all very exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, I could nerd out for a while about that, but we're here to talk about biochemistry literature. <laughs> <laughs> so, one thing, actually, you know. To, to your point of someone who likes art and, and music and, and sort of things that are um, like kinetic in nature, right? So I think one of the things that I really appreciate about your program is the use of models. And I wonder if, if the, the amount of effort you put into that has to do with that sort of artistic background. Yeah, you know, everyone works hard at their jobs, obviously, but when you're painting or sculpting or practicing, you are sitting by yourself doing something like really, really intensively just for, for ages. Yeah. So that's kind of, it, you need to be kind of obsessive to, to be that kind of person. So that's what these, um, these courses are. So yeah, there's the modeling part of it where the kids are actively building things and that, that's what kind of catches people's eye about it. Um, but there's also the creation of the, of the lessons themselves, the visualizations. Uh, just to give you an idea, I just created a three lesson series on stellar nucleogenesis, like how all the elements are made, which is fascinating. I never knew this stuff, but I've been working on it for like almost like eight months now on a daily basis. So like you have to really like want to do this. Um, so that, that might be something that sets it apart and it's very beautiful. It's very colorful and, and it's kind of like organized. So it's very like, that's where the artistic side is coming into. So we, uh, you know, it's, it's a multidisciplinary approach to, to mm -hmm. learning. And it's very like kind of an outlier for the normal uh, education world, which is one of the tensions with the project is that I'm kind of doing my own thing with it, yeah. which makes it unique, but also there's some tension with other things <laughs> when sure, you do that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, when you're up against a conservative mindset, that that is what will happen. And it's interesting how, you know, really across science, we see this conservatism. You know, I've been talking a lot with people at like Enzatag and RLS Bio, where they're, they have, you know, proteins and enzymes that can be utilized to do chemistry but it's getting that conservative mindset that like a chemist can go to the bench and just use an enzyme instead of chemicals or, or organizations can implement these, you know, these technologies and, and even like greening peptide chemistry. That's another one where you hear the word conservatism used a lot, where it's like, you've got to just like get over that barrier and then people can see the utility in all of this. So, so it's very interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I love listening yeah. to those, uh, yeah, listening to those um, sessions that you did. And I, I felt the same way that, you know, people trying to do something new and, and that's obviously better, but, you know, you're always going to have this problem. It's just what comes with the territory there. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, something else that I thought of when I was, um, I, I had already met with a couple of students and, um, you know, when you're describing your your course, there's, there's a a place in Colorado where they do, it's called anatomy and clay where they'll take oh. like a, a plastic skull and then you'll take clay and like build the muscles of the face to learn. Oh. And they do that with, with kids in elementary schools. Um, so these kids know like all of the muscles of the face or of the oh. entire body. So I want to do that. Uh, you Honestly, it's something I, I suggest that everyone do. And you can look it up. I'm sure they, they must have locations mm. all around. Um, and it's an, it's a nonprofit. So it's also something worth supporting, but, um, but there's, there's something to like what you're saying that people, that children have the capacity to take on so much information. And we know this from language and from other areas. So why science would be sort of kicked to the curb is, sure. I mean, what do you think? I know there's the conservatism, but what else is going on there? Well, yeah, just to another, another one part of the, um, the founding of the of, of the whole thing, the uh, the origin story, um, 
this all started actually the idea of this started not from a can i make a science curriculum but it was more of like a human potential issue just something i was i was kind of thinking about and worried about um like can people do more than what we think that they can do and uh if people i always talk about this when i mentioned the beginning of the project um betty edwards is a um very uh, pretty famous um art educator uh, she's based in California. She's been around for a while. And she has this great book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. And if you um, look at some of these beautiful before and after drawings, you'll see the, the person, you know, kind of drawing a very juvenile uh, portrait of something, a self-portrait. And then after her class, it's like a lot better. It's like really nice, actually, after just a few sessions. And that actually inspired me to like see if I could do that with kids because there was usually adults from her book. I wanted to see if I could if I could be the art teacher and do that. So that was actually the first um, class that I did I, at Yale when I was um, beginning this idea where I kind of rented out a room in the Peabody Museum and um, I just did these art classes. And yeah, her method could apply to kids even more than I was expecting. And then I kind of morphed into, I took a lot of those kids, the same kids actually, and then started to apply some of my, you know, very formative ideas, my, my very like embryonic ideas to science learning. And yeah, we were trying to get this beautiful before and after of, you know, kids coming in with a really not much uh, background, but then kind of catapulting them to this learning about what I was doing in, uh, in Alana Shepard's lab right. um, in peptide chemistry and things like that. So yeah. that's important too. Absolutely. So you started this program was it officially in 2019 like actual like when did you launch it like when i was in grad school so that would have been like 2010 or 2011 that was when oh. i like did the first the first work on it okay. um i had a i had a really great friend who uh he heard about what i was doing he got me into new haven schools um to, i did some pilot classes in, in classrooms at, you know after i did my little experimental yeah. work so it was, it was in schools a little bit back then, Then I went to my postdoc. So nothing happened during my postdoc, but then when I came back and I was, I became a professor, um, I was able to kind of leverage what I was doing. And, you know, because I was a professor now, I wasn't some weird grad student and I could sort of get, get, um, you know, some work done in schools and get people to pay more, a little bit more attention to me. So it kind of grew slowly from, from that time. What were the biggest surprises uh, as you started implementing this? And I don't just mean like maybe what, what the kids could do, but just in general where you were like, oh, okay, that's, that's how this is going to happen. Um, yeah. So I'm always surprised by how fast the kids can do this and, and like how well it works. Um, it's, I'm just so, I mean, I, I'm becoming less shocked because I'm, I've done it like hundreds of times now, but it is, it is still shocking to me when I see kids pick it up and, and how interested in and how, how desperate they are to learn this and how similar uh, of, of a mind that, that, you know, adults can have to kids when, when, the, when, we allow, when we allow the kids to do this, because we're preventing them. Like, that's all we're doing. If, if we don't give this to them, we're preventing them from achieving this thing. So um, that's been uh, amazing. Um, what else? Uh, unfortunately, on the negative side, I've, I have been very amazed by how hard this has been to do um, from like an institutional level, like trying to get schools and maybe other funding organizations or other people that should care about this. It's a lot harder than anyone could have imagined. Um, we have a lot of traction homeschool. So right now the program is really thriving as a homeschool program. So that's a direct to consumer model right there. So the parents will go to the website, they'll say, oh, this looks interesting. And then they'll subscribe. I don't have to, um, you know, do a lot of bureaucracy, which I don't have time for, but I really love it when schools do it. It's just a little bit more rare to have a school do it, but I would love maybe someone listening. They're intrigued by this, like maybe think about if this could be done in, in more schools, because it is done in schools, it's done district-wide, it's done in public schools, private schools, every level. So we've kind of proved, in a, proved the concept that it, that it works and teachers can do it and teachers like it and the kids like it. It's just a matter of getting more people to you know, believe in it. Yeah. So yeah, you did have some schools that had already signed up for it and they're still doing it. It's a, a continuing effort. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, there's one school right near here. Uh, there's a school in uh, Summit, New Jersey that um, it's being done in, four, I think, fourth and fifth grade. And they put some on Instagram all the time. It's amazing. I mean, part of what I'm doing, it's, you know, I'm, I'm teaching kids, um, you know, I'm allowing them to become uh, college students right away, but I'm also teaching their teachers to become professors. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a surprise to me too. Like how inspiring is it that someone with not a lot of chemistry, I mean, I have, it's easy. I mean, for someone who took a PhD in chemistry, it's easy for me to teach chemistry in a way, but for someone who doesn't have that background to be motivated and to, uh, uh, to like 
that kind of like want that challenge and then execute it. Um, that's amazing to me. And we have teachers that can do that. And that's, that's probably one of the number one inspiring things um, because I already know about the kids, the kids I've been working with for, okay. for a long time, but the, now we're seeing some adults like really do it. And it's great. I love that's that. Amazing. Yeah. I would think, yeah, that could, I mean, now that you were speaking about it, that could be a hurdle. Yeah. How do you get um, someone who was an education major who had two semesters of chemistry now to teach biochemistry, which they wouldn't have seen. And, and, yeah. and, and that, that was part yeah. of the, the, the challenge that I realized was going to be with this pro- very, from the very beginning, like, how am I going to get someone with one or two semesters of a, of a basic chemistry course to, to do any of this? Yeah. So that was, that's what I always have in mind, like, as I'm making these lessons and thinking about how they're executed, is right. this is going to be done by someone who's not like me, and I need to make it so that it's just a, a joy and, and so easy to, to, for them to learn. And it's, it seems to have panned out and, and right. it's, it, can, it can work. One thing that is happening, these kids are sort of graduating from the program. Yeah. They're completing the 12 lessons. So just because I think people listening may not know what it actually is, yes. they start off, um, the very first lesson is they, they learn about, um, they actually learn about chemical bonding, but, but in Pymol. So they, be, they go into Pymol and they explore hemoglobin and they see, start to see patterns in how the atoms are connected. And that's how we introduce covalent bonding. And they remember that forever. <laughs> okay. I've come back to schools two years later. They still remember that nitrogens make four, make, uh, make three bonds. Like they wow. still remember that. It's amazing. It's very durable knowledge. Yes. Um, anyway, so we, we start, we learn about covalent bonding. We move to things like hydrogen bonding, um, intermolecular forces. Um, and then we sort of go on this grand tour of biochemistry where we study like, you know, lipid membranes and protein folding. I'm a protein folding person. So I love protein folding. Um, polysaccharides at a very deep level and DNA genetics and things like that. So that's, that's the kind of like tour that I'm giving them. Once they're done, they hang out on zoom still. I teach them organic chemistry and special topics. It's basically a special topics course once they've um, graduated from it, but yeah, that's what we need though. We need um, somewhere for these kids to go because these kids are supercharged. These kids, um, and you'll see it when you have seen already, these kids are want to do something with this information. Yeah. Um, they want to do research. They want to do computer modeling. They want to do all kinds of things. So we need, uh, yeah, a speaker. A speaker is always invited to come to one of these um, Zoom sessions. We'll make a special Zoom for them. Uh, and you'll have dozens of uh, kids from all over the world um, watching. But yeah, we need somewhere for these kids to go to apply this knowledge and to be useful because these kids are going to be the high level scientists in the future. Like there's no escaping it. Um, these are special, special, they, these have made, they've made themselves to be special kids because they've been involved. So yeah, yeah. we need some, some help now. That's what I'm here to find right. <laughs> some, some help with this. Cause it's been just me this whole time. Yeah. And, and you, you've been one of my best supporters all throughout COVID. You're one of my um, people in my corner all the time. So thank you for that. Because what you're doing is incredible. And you're right. I mean, so I've jumped in on a class and um, was talking about microwave chemistry and you're right that First off, watching them learn, I can't remember what, oh, you started teaching them um, aromatic compounds just kind of on the fly. I think you like, you like were teaching one lesson and you're like, oh, let's talk about, you know, benzene. And so anyway, so that was amazing. They just picked it up like quick, like within seconds, they were like, oh, okay, we, you know, we get this. But the other cool thing was when I was talking about what I do, because I work in the field of microwaves, how quickly they were like inquisitive. And, And one kid asked, he's like, do you mean like a home microwave? And then I started explaining the differences and the similarities. And, and it was like, yeah, I mean, they were so excited to learn more. Like that's what they want. Like you said, is, is more. And then I think, you know, the other aspect that you're talking about is that they have so much creativity that someone could tap into for a research project. That would be incredible. Yep. And we've done so much in a year and a half with these advanced kids and just what's the next two, three, four, what is that going to do? I, I can't even understand what that's going to be for these kids. So, yeah. I mean, they could also be teaching this course too. That's something else, sure. right? I mean, for you sure, basically yeah. made a bunch of mini professors to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, something else I was interested in, because, so I know, so you were a professor for six years and then now you've transitioned to um, a high school. So you have the two platforms, right? So you've got the, the in-person high school and then you've got this uh, virtual platform that you have. That's they're very different things, though, right? Because one is totally focused on teaching young yeah. people college level. What what is it in the high school side? 
are you stuck with the traditional curriculum? So where I'm at right now, it's uh, the Pingree School here in New Jersey in Basking Ridge. And yeah, it's a very unique uh, place for me. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm there. Um, they have a um, uh, very like protein uh, and, you know, kind of very like almost college level uh, curriculum already. I'm teaching protein folding to ninth graders right now. Um, there's a connection to, with the PDB. There's been PDB collaborations at the high school. Um, and many of the other teachers are, um, you know, PhD biochemists and things like that. So it's a really unique place. We have a beautiful research lab. I have a research group of uh, six kids and actually we're getting more done now than I've ever gotten done. Um, it's just a really nice place to work. I'm doing some protein expression. I'm expressing some fluorescent proteins that we're going to look at. So, um, yeah, it's a very college-like environment. So it's actually really, really nice. I don't mind it at all. Right. And, um, it's uh, more convenient for where I'm living now. So I'm, really, I'm just very happy with this uh, move. Yeah. So, yeah. And so when you, I know that, you know, your, your goal is to get the, the biochemistry literacy for kids into sort of high schools and, and junior highs and elementary schools, right, across the, the United States. And I suppose, is the main target actually elementary school? Well, yeah. So this has been the thing, you know, the right now, the main target is homeschool because that's, that's right. where I'm getting the most traction actually. So right now the program has kind of morphed into a geared for homeschool. And honestly, there's always been this dialectic between the different things. Like, yes, I'm working in colleges and high school and I'm doing the little kids in the, in the homeschool and I'm trying to get into schools, but all those things kind of like reinforce each other. So like every time a school takes it, um, that teacher will say, oh, can we have this and this and this? That'll make it better. So I do all those things oh, yeah. and that makes it better for everyone else. And then um, let's say the, ho the homeschool parents have an idea. I'll make it better for them. Uh, and I do something, you know, some other teacher in my high school, I learned from them, then I can bring something in. So I take everything in. It's really great to have all these different outlets for it. And it's just, I think it's all going to develop in, in time, like together. Right. Uh, and there's not a lot I can do to control it. I just have to like try everything I can and it'll just get better and better over time. So right. that's all, that's all I can hope for. <laughs> hey, that's a good hope to have. Well, I see we have a special guest that has joined us. Sophia, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Wait, where's my video? Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Yes. We've just been talking about course and all of the excitement that Dr. Freed has felt working with you and the other kids. Um, can we, let's first off, um, so you're Sophia. How old are you, Sophia? I'm 12. 12, all right. And how long have you been taking Dr. Freed's course? A year, I think. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. I think. <laughs> hey, it doesn't have to be exact. <laughs> And so, um, so if you're 12 with that, well, actually, where, where are you located, Sophia? I'm in Australia okay. on the West Coast in Perth. Okay. Right. Excellent. Which and makes it very difficult to do stuff because Daniel says, it's this amazing course. I think you would really like it. Oh, wait, it's at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's not going to work. <laughs> She's a real trooper. She wakes up early every morning for her to do my evening classes. And it's really amazing that the kids will do this to, to learn. It's biochemistry. worse in the winter because in the winter you start at 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, pretty soon, Sophia, you'll be able to teach the course and then you can teach it at an appropriate time for your Australian colleagues. That would be fun. Yes. <laughs> So, um, you know, one thing that I was really interested in was to, to learn from you, Sophia, what um, part of the course is your favorite so far? That's a really tough one to call. Um, probably either the organic chemistry we've been doing at the moment or the star chemistry. Yeah, star chemistry. The star chemistry is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, I need to learn more about that from you all. Um, yeah, the, the star chemistry started because I was wondering, why is there so much nitrogen-14 in the world? Why not nitrogen-15? It's not radioactive. Like, those are the kind of questions that, you know, are so obvious, but we don't, as, as trained scientists, we don't think about that stuff. We right. just kind of do the molecular way. We calculate what we need. So right. this is a whole, a whole um, you know, mini course of, about answering those questions. So kids love it. Yes, absolutely. No, it's super fascinating. Um, and then another question that I have is what's your favorite molecule that you've learned about? 
I have a lot. Okay, that's fine. Tell me your favorites. My third favorite is titanium because of its medical uses. And I was going to say that one because it's a nice, sensible answer. <laughs> but actually, my favorite is neon just because it glows. Okay. All right. I like that. What, um, tell me some of the medical uses of titanium. Titanium is used in a lot of things. If you get a really bad breakage, they can use a titanium plate okay. in your arm mm-hmm. or leg to fix the bone. They're also used in replacements, hip replacements, knee replacements, elbow replacements. Oh, wow. Okay. And why is cranial plates? Okay. And Sophia, we got to get this on. You had the greatest um, expression for titanium because we're talking about titanium right now in the context of stellar nucleogenesis and the the end of the star's life and everything like that and where titanium comes from. So do you remember what you called it? Space metals. (laughs) Nice. I love that. So what is it about titanium that lets it, um, you know, be useful as a medical implant? Titanium is useful because it doesn't rust. Ah. Titanium essentially stays brilliant and new, Mm -hmm. even through bodily functions for years. Actually, right at the moment, they're replacing titanium with carbon fiber. Oh. Because... A long time ago, they started trialing different different substances. They used they used ceramic, which I would say is not a good idea <laughs> because if you break that, that's going to be even worse than breaking a bone. Right. Because you're going to have ceramic pieces all over you. But they tried all sorts of substances, but one that they didn't try was carbon fiber because it didn't exist. But now they're using carbon fiber as the ball and titanium as the cup, which reduces the chance of it sticking <laughs> and causing the same problem as the joint you t- took out. Right, right. Wow. So a space metal carbon fiber joint. That's where we're headed yeah. for the future. That's yeah. Great. So, um, so obviously you have some interest in, in healthcare. Um, what have you thought about what your career might be? Since I was three, I've wanted to be an obstetrician. Wow. And my mom constantly asks me if it's going to change. Uh-huh. I constantly say no. <laughs> <laughs> and would you want to do, so, you know, you could do obstetrics, but you could also do the research side of that. Is that something you're thinking of now? I would if the obstetrics career doesn't work out, I would really love to work with electron microscopes. Okay. Because electron microscopes are awesome. Okay. Tell me about it. Basically, an electron microscope is a super strong microscope that can see individual electrons. Mm -hmm. And then they can use computer programs to replicate what those electrons are doing in real life. And that, because you add something to a base and it can change Mm -hmm. and they don't know why it changes. It just does. But with an electron microscope, you can perform that reaction underneath the electron microscope and then see how it changes Uh and make sense of that. So you can create really helpful compounds that you think are definitely going to work. And then they don't work because the molecule changes and all of a sudden it doesn't do what you thought it was going to do. But with an electron microscope, you can see inside of the reaction Mm -hmm. and you can see why it doesn't work and how to fix it. Or if you can't fix it, that you can't fix it. Is there um, an image that sticks out in your mind of a particular reaction or? Probably the molybdenum calcium reaction that was taken at Collin University. Uh It was the first electron microscope image that was ever taken. Oh, wow. And it's essentially, it's an image of a compound two atoms thick. Oh. This is how strong this microscope is. Wow. Um, and essentially, it's one layer of molybdenum atoms and another layer of calcium atoms. And they form together in a swirl. And there's like three swirls on the image. And it's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. 
That sounds like something that um, Dr. Freed would like with his artistic background. Oh, Probably yeah. something really cool, right? I'll look it up later. I'm going to check it out. But it's really cool to go into the chemistry of it mm-hmm. and see why it looks like that, how it looks like that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, for me, I started out as a, a biologist. I, I wanted to be a veterinarian, actually, like my whole life. I was like, I want to be a veterinarian. And then I took um, just biology 100 in college and was like, oh, wait, field biology looks like so much fun. So I'm going to be a field biologist. I actually hated chemistry, by the way. Um, but then when I got to organic chemistry, I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. This is interesting. I like this arrow pushing. I like figuring out exactly what you're talking about, Sophia, why things are happening. Because biology is amazing. I love biology still, but it is so neat to think about why is a protein doing what it's doing. And it's because of the, the chemical reactions. And I have to say that um, Sophia is one of our star organic chemists. She's always the first one to try the arrow and figure out where, where the nucleophile is and where it's going and things like that. She can always be counted on for that. So I think you're really I usually like the get arrow it wrong well, you always, you always know where the connection is going to go. And you're still learning. I mean, we just started this, you know, very recently. So, um, but you're doing a great job. It's very, that, I mean, that's one of the things, uh, Wendy, that I would say that as far as what's impressive yeah. is the, you know, the, those, those new areas that we're kind of charting out, like for the first time, like can kids now do organic chemistry? Because I know they can do structural biology. I, I know they can do that kind of stuff, but like seeing them, you know, try arrow pushing and like seeing that it makes sense to them. Like that's really amazing for me to see that. Love that. Yeah. Dr. Freed's teaching style is awesome just as a general thing, because it's so much more fun than just sitting and watching something and just watching it and taking away information that you don't really retain properly. Mm -hmm. But I think the best thing about it probably is that, it's an inclusive policy. Like in the class that I'm in, we have, how old is Rex? Is he eight? He's got to be, no, I think he's younger than that. I think he's got to be like six or seven or something. Yeah. Maybe when he started. So we have like six or seven year olds and so many times I've wanted to do something Mm -hmm. and we've gone to sign up for it and they've said, no, you're too young. Uh, You're too young. You can't. Right. Well, no, I can. I want to let me on. No, you're too young. But the thing is, is that Daniel doesn't do that. We have six-year-olds and seven-year-olds that are really smart and doing the stuff because they're allowed to, because they can. And yeah, you know, before, so I couldn't imagine turning a kid away from my class. Even if a four-year-old, if the parents want to send their four-year-old, I would be like, okay, I maybe, but you could come if you want, but I wouldn't, I would never say no. And yeah, that's where the whole program comes from. It comes from like, let's challenge what people uh, think is possible. And if someone can wants to do it, like, let's see if they can do it and see, let's see if I can help them do it. That's really right. the, uh, the, the onus is on me to, um, you know, the, the burns on me to, 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 to help them. Absolutely. Speaking of, Hey, Sophia. What is something that you haven't learned yet, but that you would like to learn about? Anything. (laughs) Um, There is no specific topic that I want to learn about. I would love to do biology, Mm -hmm. but I am aware that that's not Daniel's specific field. We've started asking questions in class and it's been really funny because we've asked this question and Daniel's gone, that's an amazing question. I'm not a nuclear biologist. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for him to, to be able to say that too, right? I don't know. I think that's something that's really important to learn in life. It's okay to say, I don't know. Um, and then you and can I follow think, up. I think- and I think the kids can also realize, I mean, the more you know, the less, the more you realize you don't know. And, and these kids know a lot. So yeah. they know what they don't know. Uh, most kids don't know what they don't know. Most kids think they know everything. But these are a very sophisticated level of kids yeah. now. And, and they, can, they can realize, oh, this is something I don't know yet. Let's explore that thing. And let's like honestly realize that that's something I, I want to do. And that's something that I, that's where the whole program comes from. Like I knew that I didn't know nuclear uh, stellar chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do that. So I made, I made it. it took a long time, but we, we made it. And now everyone is um, learning from it. Yes, absolutely. I think that's the other thing is that if 
if you need to become an expert in something, you can, right? That you can do self-teaching, I think, as, as adults and as, as children. I think that, you know, if it's something that you're really passionate about, you can. I was just talking to um, some folks in uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning earlier um, before this call, and one of them was, you know, uh, went to school for chemistry and then did computation, but they hadn't learned about machine learning. So they had to just do it on their own and now they're an expert. I mean, it's, and, and that's part of their research program. So it's, it's very doable uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and also coming back to like my graduate school experience mm-hmm. for a second, um, you know, my, my uh, advisor, Alana Shepherds, um, she, the, what, what I always felt from like being in her lab was that she was like always willing to like explore something new. And I, th- I think a lot of professors are like this, but I just felt for her, it w- she just had this um, like bravery to just like find some new field and, and, just, and just learn about that. And can we bring that in? And can that be applied to what we're doing? And uh, I take that with me all the time. Like that, that's how I approach this whole thing. Like what we can, you know, build on things, like bring things in, like go in directions that, that are uncharted. And can we, you know, use those and leverage them? Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm, I still, I still feel like I'm, I'm doing a research project, although it's a research project that involves pedagogy and kids, but it, it, you have to be sort of daring to, to make these big jumps and to take these uh, risks and figure out how to get these things done. And, and that's what I'm tra- hoping the kids see that also. So I'm hoping to transfer that to, the, to that generation too. Well, my name is Rose and I'm 14 and I'm in year nine at school. And John? Uh, my name is John. I'm 13 and I'm in eighth grade. Okay, excellent. All right. And how long have you both been partaking in Dr. Freed's class? This is my first year, okay. but I've really liked it so far. Awesome. That's great. What do you like most about it? I like how it's able, I like how Dr. Freed is able to uh, teach kids about advanced concepts with this class mm-hmm. easy, easily. What, um, like, what are your um, sort of favorite? Oh, sorry. Keep going. I like how he's taught me with it. What are your favorite, um, maybe reactions that you've covered so far? I really like the star chemistry thing that he just covered with the last few lessons. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, where like through different processes, stars make elements mm-hmm. that then made us. Nice. Yeah. I just saw an article out actually about amino acids and chirality. Did, have you guys talked about that? Yeah, we have talked about that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's great. What, um, what, I guess, you know, the way the class works is that Dr. Freed, he, he lectures, but you also are using models, right, to really connect with the, the molecules. Can you tell me about how that's useful? And uh, So, yeah, if the, chemi- if the molecule is small enough, we mm-hmm. have certain pieces that represent certain atoms, and then we can build the atoms together and really model and see for ourselves what's happening. Yeah. It's really awesome. useful sometimes. Great. Welcome back, Rose. <laughs> Sorry, the internet just disconnected. No worries at all. I was just asking John about what he really liked about Dr. Freed's class and how long he'd been taking it. So how long have you actually been taking Dr. Freed's uh, biochemistry class? Well, I've been taking it for four years now. Four years. Wow. Okay. So you started when you were 10 years old? Um, I started in 2019 when he first started the Zoom meetings mm-hmm. from his course and then just advanced on, just kept going. Yeah. What's your favorite um, part of the course? You know, maybe what's your favorite lesson and favorite molecule? Oh, that's a hard question because I have a lot of favorite molecules. That's fine. You can list several. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my most favorite would have to be DNA. Okay. And my favorite part of the course, oh, oh, I can't pick that. That's too hard to pick. <laughs> that's all right. John and I were talking about the star chemistry. That, oh, that, that was good. Mm-hmm. That was really enjoyable learning oh. when nitrogen, carbon, and that came from. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it a little bit. 
Well, so he was showing us about stars and how they started burning out and how you got carbon burning, nitrogen burning, neon burning and all that stuff and how you got certain molecules come from that, from magnesium to carbons come fused together, burning, and it makes a magnesium 16 and then goes on and on. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what is it about DNA that you really like? Oh, I like, well, I like how it's so important to life Mm -hmm. and how it makes certain proteins for our body to help us live. It's just really fascinating. Was it you, John, that you had said that you wanted to learn more? Or was it, yeah, John, about toxins and material science? Yeah, those what sound I, really interesting. Okay, yeah. Um, have you looked at, like, marine toxins? And what, what, what area of toxins are you interested in? Uh, I honestly think it sounds cool, but I think the only real toxin that I've learned of is uh, the colichomycin, what it can do to DNA. Oh, tell me about it. So, like, has this weird trigger and warhead situation where when the trigger is released and uh, it modifies the warhead, which is kind of a weird triple carbon thing, a triple bonded carbon thing, it creates a benzene diradical and then it destroys the uh, DNA around it. It can be really harmful. So, so John... Um- you know, I guess I, I'm curious to know more about um, kind of how you even found out about Dr. Freed's class. So when I started being homeschooled uh, in sixth grade, I had like seen the periodic table somewhere once and I wanted to learn more about that. And it just turned into me getting more and more involved in chemistry. And then it became this this right. year. Yeah. And I'm really glad. Yeah, I was like that. How about you, Rose? How did, I mean, you're in Australia? Yes, in Australia. Yeah. Well, I've been homeschooling for my whole life and I've been really interested in science. Mm-hmm. And mom found Dr. Fried's class online and she just said, let's try it. And I fell in love with it. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So what do we do? Well, I would like to know, Hanson, how old are you? I am seven. Seven. And I'm eight in June. Ooh, that's coming up quick. Late June. All right. Yeah, that's coming fast. And um, Akshay, how old are you? Um, I'm 11 years old, and my birthday is coming up in May 3rd. Oh, yours is coming up really fast. All right. Well, pre-happy birthday to both of you. Thank you. Actually, how long have you been in Dr. Freed's class? Um, one year to two years. Okay. All right. Pretty long time. How about you, Hanson? How long have you been going? Probably like about one year. One year? Okay. Still pretty long time. And what so far is your favorite lesson? Hmm. I don't really have one. Okay. But Asuna, uh, but and there's an and um. Have you heard there's a new lesson coming up? Which one? No. Twenty-five. Yeah. So lesson twenty-five is my favorite. Whatever he has so far, it's the star chemistry one. That's my favorite. Can you talk about it a little bit, Akshay? Why is it your favorite? Sure. So um, it's my favorite because it talks about stars and the reaction that happens inside of them. So, for example, I uh, we have the sun. It mostly does proton-proton chain reaction, which is when um, basically protons, um, uh, a few protons collide to make a helium. And it also makes a lot of energy. And that's mostly what the, um, the reaction that the sun does. So four um, hydrogens um, that hit each other at separate times, it couldn't um, hit each other at the same time because it would be too improbable that they all been they that I they think, all. Been. I think you're talking about heliums. Yeah, the hydrogens fusing to make heliums. Yeah, so like two hydrogens collide. To make a diproton, and then it releases an, a positron, 
to create a neutron and a proton in helium, and then two of those collide to make helium four. And yeah. two of those collide beryllium eight, and they separate immediately on and on. But there's a teeny, teeny chance that another one comes before the atom, the beryllium eight, mm. because it makes carbon twelve. And also the carbon-12 that he's mentioning, that only happens in bigger stars, not in our sun, because the sun isn't massive enough to make carbon. Hanson, do you have a molecule that you like building with that, the set that you have for class? Is there one that you particularly like to, to build? Uh, not really, but I do have a collection of molecules that I, I am interested in. Okay, tell me about them. Here's a hint. The subject of the this podcast, the podcast. Biochemistry. Mm, no, like um, a little bit. It like zoom in a bit more. Focus more. Mm, focus more. Peptides. Yeah. Ooh, tell me about peptides. Tell me all about peptides. Now the thing is. Like that, so the protein bond is not an N single bond C. It's not N double bond C, and it's it's like more like um N like double like one and a half bond. Mm-hmm. How do you describe that behavior? What's the word to describe that? Let's see. Hmm. Starts with an R. Do we talk about Awesome. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh huh. Resonance. Yep. Resonance. Um, I'm curious. I know you know it's it's fairly early in life, but I'm I'm wondering what um what types of careers are you guys interested in? What do you want to do with your time? Um, oh, go ahead, Akshay. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, uh, that might be as an inventor, so, like, so I might invent things that are related to, um, to the human body, okay. um, maybe nanorobots or something like that, and, and if I know peptides and biology, that'll help me design and develop the product better. hmm Yep. Like, how to program it, the design that'll best work. And if I'm working, maybe, uh, maybe they have a defect in, maybe they have a defect in some gene. Um, I can research and learn better about it, and I can develop the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really cool field, I think. How about you, Hanson? What are you thinking about? I don't know. Maybe like make new theorems about math or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Discover them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And prove them. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe prove the unproved. Like things that mathematicians believe or postulate or properties or whatever. What um what are the things do you guys want to learn about in Dr. Freed's class? You know, I know that one of the things that he likes to do is actually invite outside speakers to come in, so other scientists. What would you want to learn about? Um I would I would I would like to learn about like black holes. Ooh, uh-huh. Because like we because like he like left us on a cliffhanger, like so. Like we, I so he already told us how black holes form, but I don't want to know what happens to them. Mm. What happens to them? Mm-hmm. What happens to them? First off, let me just say thank you all for coming to Exploration Science. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Very excited to learn more about you. Let's start with introductions. Um, on my screen right now, I see Carolyn and Stavro. So, Carolyn, why don't we start with you? Tell me how old you are and what grade you're in. I'm 10 and I'm in fourth grade. All right, excellent. And Stavro? And if I'm saying your name incorrectly, correct me. <laughs> you're saying it good. Okay. I'm Stavro, I'm 12, and I'm in sixth grade. Okay, awesome. And Dylan? Um, my name is Dylan. I'm 12, and I am also in sixth grade. 
Awesome. All right. Now, Dylan, how long have you been in Dr. Freed's class? Um, a long time. I think, I think it's like going on two years now almost. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is a long time. A year and a half-ish, but I'm... Okay. What's, your, what's the favorite course you've taken so far from him? Um, I mean, I, I really liked the radioactivity lesson. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that was really fun. I'm kind of into radioactive elements. Okay. What do you have a particular radionuclide that's your favorite? Mm, I like them all. All right. How about you, Carolyn? What was your um, maybe favorite or top of the list for courses? Um, I really liked um, the when we talked about proteins, but I also really loved radioactivity. Okay. Nice. How about you, Stavro? Um, I like radioactivity too. Maybe I also kind of like learning about, um, like the orbitals, like the more complex, like shell orbitals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Carolyn, you mentioned proteins. Um, what is it about proteins that, that fascinates you? Um, pretty much everything. Okay. Uh-huh. Is there a protein of like particular interest where you were like, well, that's a really cool protein? Well, I don't know if I had a particular protein, but I like to learn how they, like, folded. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And if, like, they misfold, what happens with that? Okay. What does happen with that? Um, like, you can get, like, um, there's, like, different things that come in, and, um, like, you can get, I'm not sure if I remember correctly, you might, I think you might get, like, Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. or, like, fibril formation? Yeah. You talk about that. All right. Yeah. And, and Stavro, you mentioned also liking the, the radio chemistry. Is there like a particular field that you're interested in, like medical or, or just theoretical? Like what, uh, what about the radionuclides do you think is the most interesting? Um, I don't know. I kind of just like maybe learning about how the, um, like how the like different particles fly off them and how they, if they like hit your DNA or hit another um, like molecule or protein, they could like damage it. Mm -hmm. Did you guys talk at all about medical applications of radionuclides? No, I don't no. think we did really. I, I learned a little bit about it elsewhere, but yeah. oh, what did you learn, Dylan? I mean, I know that they um, use technetium for mm -hmm. some type of medical thing. Not exactly sure what it is. For imaging, yeah, absolutely. So that could be, is that something that you're all more interested in learning about? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think I know a lot, but, you know, there's probably more. I, 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 you know, I know that you get, like, guest speakers can come, right, to, to Dr. Freed's class. So maybe it would be fun for someone to come and, and give you a lecture on medical uses, uses of radionuclides. Yeah, I would like that. For sure. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you all also partake? I know that, you know, Dr. Freed does um, some organic chemistry lessons. And that's certainly what I've seen when I've, I've dropped into the class, which I know other people are invited to drop in other scientists as well. And I was amazed to see how quickly you all learn these reactions. Um, Carolyn, do you have a, a reaction that you, you know, really like to draw out or model? Um. I don't think I really have a favorite. Okay. I kind of like all of them. Okay. Uh huh. How about you, Stavro? Um, I I liked um, I liked all of them. I think pretty good, but um, like reactions, I kind of like glycolysis. Okay. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. What do you think is interesting about glycolysis? I think it's cool because um, learning like about how like glucose is extracted into making energy. Yep. Nice. How about you, Dylan? Do you have like a favorite pathway or reaction mechanism that you find that you connect with? Um, well, I mean, I really like photosynthesis. Ah, uh-huh. Actually, the light-dependent reactions. Yes. And citric acid cycle. Okay. Awesome. What are some of the other areas that you guys are interested in? You know, Dylan, uh, obviously, you're going to Dr. Freed's class. You're learning all this really cool chemistry. What other um, areas of science and also outside of science are you interested in? 
Um, I really like, well, inside science. I, I like um, biology. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. I, and outside of science, I really like music, ukulele <laughs> in particular. It's oh, wow. My, it's my favorite instrument yeah. that I play. That's awesome. Maybe you can play a ukulele song next time we meet. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. We could put it into the, the podcast. <laughs> or I could grab one right now. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, grab it at the end. We can do a little ukulele song at the end. Uh, Stavro, same question to you. What are your favorite sort of science, um, you know, other areas of science, but then also outside of science? Um, maybe in science. Um, I think... I think maybe learning about reactions, um, like how, how um, what the reactions, how they work and what they like carry out, what's like the product of them. Mm -hmm. Maybe also learning about the, like the human body and learning about how um, the human body works. Mm -hmm. And maybe outside science, I like music. Like Dylan, I play the drums and the piano. Wow. Okay. And I also like technology. All right. What what specific technology? Maybe um, like computers. Um, learning about computers, how they work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And Carolyn, how about you? What what are your favorite topics in science and outside? I think inside science, um, I really love, I like biology and I also like um, just learning about like, um, like, um, like plants, like photosynthesis, I really like learning about that. And then outside of science, I also play the ukulele, oh. I play the piano and violin too, and then um, I also really love dancing. And oh, art. okay. What kind of dancing? Um, I do classical ballet. Wow. All right. And how about art? Do you do you do your own art, or do you mean looking at art? Um, yeah, I love to draw and paint. Wow. Very cool. So, do you and Dylan ever jam on the like have a jam ukulele session? Yeah. Well, well, once we actually got a bunch of instruments, because I, uh, my dad's a musician. So, oh wow! Okay. Well, as a part-time thing, so mm -hmm. we have a bunch of instruments. So I got a bunch of ukuleles and drums, and we had a big jam in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, we we even like we call ourselves the like um, the joyous squirrels. I love it. The joyous squirrels. That's awesome. Very, very cool. What are some other um, just areas in general that, that you think would be fun to have um, Dr. Freed or someone else talk about? You know, you mentioned human biology. I think it was you, Stavro, who you were talking about human biology. What specific areas, you know, is there, are there like, a, is there a disease you're particularly interested in or a process like, you know, metabolism of molecules in the liver? Like, is there something that's, um, that sort of stands out in your mind? Um, I don't know really that much. Okay. About, um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's really one thing I really want to learn about in the human body. Okay. But um, something else that maybe Dr. Freed would maybe be cool if he could teach is um, maybe thermodynamics. Ah, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, nice. I'll take a note. We'll send it his way as a request. <laughs> How about you, Carolyn? Um, I want to learn more about muscles and all, like, the energy molecules. Okay. I know ATP is one of them, but... Okay, yes. not sure about all the rest. And then I also... <laughs> ATP? Here's ATP. That's, okay. um, That's a nice rule. I want to learn more about um, man-made elements and um, particle accelerators. Ooh, okay, nice. I'm just taking notes right now. Dylan, same question to you. Um, I want to learn about um, why, um, why certain elements and molecules are toxic. Ah, yes. And then something else that, um, Stavro, you showed that uh, model of ATP, 
Can you talk just before we go a little bit about maybe how it helps to have the physical model, but then also I know you all are using PyMol as well. So um, Stavros, is your, since you're holding, sorry, Stavro, since you're holding that up, can you talk to me a little bit about how uh, making those models helps? Um, so I think um, Dr. Fried usually encourages drawing or building. I kind of like building more because I can kind of hold it and see it. Okay, yeah. But I like building more. Okay. So um, I think you're kind of more drawing person, right? Yeah. Is that right, Carolyn? You like to draw. I mean, if you're an artist and you like to draw, that kind of makes sense. That. Yeah, but also when we do like when we um, like sometimes we do like reactions and like we like switch bonds and that kind of helps. You can see it in a more um, way. You can hold it in your hand and you can do right. it yourself instead of drawing it. Yeah. So I like that that part about building more. It's more easy to understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Dylan, do you have a preferred platform for learning? Um, I I think I like them all fairly equally, though mm -hmm. um, I'm also a pretty big fan of Pymel. Okay. Uh -huh. um, I got I got really into building my own models. Nice. It's a lot of time learning how to build 3D models in Pymel. And wow. like 150 of them or something like that. But. Oh, wow. Okay. And in, in those models, um, is there a particular molecule that you find has the most fascinating behavior? I'm not sure. It's just there <laughs> are so many and there's, and a lot of them are so big. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's just because there's this thing called the protein data bank. Uh-huh. It's really cool because you because it has um, pymol files for all the proteins, so uh -huh. you don't have to. So you don't have to find the sequence and then right. build the protein that's got like five thousand residues. Right. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a big cast, yeah. So, you just download and, it instead. <laughs> so yeah, the, those are really cool, but they're just way too big to look at the whole thing. Right, you're not going to build one of your molecular models, physical molecular models. <laughs> nope. Yeah, one time we tried to like download ri the ribosome. Uh -huh. That was a big mistake because we were in one of Dr. Freed's cl classes and he warned us like it's going to crash your computer and oh. it literally did. Oh. Uh, so after class, did you ever get it downloaded? Was no, it, we was just it it. Yeah. We, I, I actually did manage to, to get the ribosome, except it takes I, I have a flight, a bunch of particular pymol settings that mm -hmm. I like to put every single molecule I get on, except it takes like 10 minutes for e to process each setting, like add on hydrogens. 10 minutes later, it's, they're still popping up. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, and it crashed my computer twice, like putting hydrogens, like making it show hydrogens. Like. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, a uh, couple things. I want to number one, thank you all for getting on this. This was amazing. My cheeks hurt from smiling. You're all just really amazing people. And um, I look forward to seeing what you do um, as you go through life. But uh, the second thing is, Dylan, why don't you grab that ukulele? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Exploration Science. If you want to get involved in the program as a guest lecturer, you can contact Dan using the links in the description. Thanks again for tuning in.